0: Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a karate teacher to trim their hedges. Yeah. Man, these shrubs are not made of plywood. Don't worry, another few chops should do it. Yeah, Nope. Yeah. Dang. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Oh, this treehouse looks like particle board. Yeah, There we go. I starting to doubt myself. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Hello, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. It is July the 29th. Wednesday and it is hot as hell and we will talk about air conditioning yes air conditioning the reason why we're down here now do you think most of the places in the United States um, that are experiencing the greatest growth and I'm just talking about population the last 50 years has been in the south and southwest because it was uh, there was a lot of land And it's beautiful. But for forever, in the summertime, it has been hot. And if you think about the development of air conditioning, thousands of years ago, there was um, a technique the Egyptians used. They'd take a reed mat, and they'd uh, sprinkle water on it. And with the dry air coming through, it created... uh, evaporation evaporation process of uh, air moving through the reed mat uh was cooling so when air evaporates it absorbs energy or oh god this is where it, with the heating and ac but that's how refrigeration ac works it's from um, condensing and allowing uh gas to um, expand so if you ever get one of those um Wart removals or something sprayed on your skin—that uh, the can could be like 90 degrees, though so when you spray it, when that the liquid is atomized or turned into a gas, it creates a freezing effect. It's not that the uh, the temperature of the can isn't 30 degrees, but when the gas expands, it uh, produces that effect. So it wasn't until 1902 that the first modern air conditioner was invented. And in that day they used a lot of harmful, uh, dangerous chemicals in it and stuff like that. But uh, AC uh, started out being used in, uh, I think originally in a printing shop in New York. They installed it in order to uh, Increase production, especially in the summertime. It would control the humidity and reduce the amount of uh, damage to the paper. And it was 1920 when they started in, installing it in movie theaters. Now think about the effect of that, especially in uh, places in the country in the summertime when it was at, it was unbearable. This the lack of air conditioning in the United States influenced the architecture of houses. If you look at the very old houses, you'll see large patios on there, large patios around there, and that was places where people could go out and sit on a night. Uh, they, the way houses were designed, they used to put kitchens away from the rest of the structure. A lot of, a lot of times, they have you ever hear, you see a place and they say this is a summer kitchen because when you're cooking in the kitchen in the heat obviously you're adding more heat and things like that so they separate from the rest of the house so you don't have that heat build up but with the advent of air conditioning you were able to influence the architecture of houses so you didn't need those big patios people used to sleep out on these patios a lot of times when it, on, the, on the hottest of nights so in 1933 the white house installed air conditioning in 1953 and this is approximately eight years after World War II, over one million units were sold. And then you saw the development of central air and all these houses. And then also the explosion of population in Florida, Southern California, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, New Mexico. Um, Just think of these uh, republics in the Middle East, the the republics, I shouldn't say republics, they're monarchs. There, there's very few democracies in the Middle East. Uh, I think, a side note, Israel is one of them. Uh, and maybe Lebanon. The, um, but think of the Dubai with their temperatures indoor. Um, you know, imagine the temperatures indoor with very little wind and things like that hitting 120 degrees. Imagine doing business there. Now, the interesting thing about it is the way people used to dress. If you, go, you look back about, you look at any pictures 100 years ago. In the summertime, especially in Florida, men, when they went into work, they were wearing linen suits, hats. Women were wearing sundresses. Um, it was a Western culture, they, so they exposed their arms and things like that. So they had some respite. But the guys, they, um, if you weren't a working man, working man would wear shorts or long sleeve shirts but they also had hats uh, but anybody had an office job they wore a shirt, a tie, a jacket and pants and uh, that had to be unbearable but look how accustomed we became to it nowadays, air conditioning that um, if you're listening to the show in a place in the northern hemisphere in July the chances are you are using air conditioning and without that um, you know life life was different so i'm going to use that to parallel the things that we have to do now you know years ago you know you talk to someone about uh let's go someplace on a uh, saturday night a crowded place indoors there's not going to be any windows and stuff like that and we're going to go and hang out with our friends they think you're crazy first of all they didn't have the free time to do things like that but um 100 let's pick arbitrarily pick a date because uh it's before the development of electricity uh, being used for commercial and uh, industrial use before um there were telephones telephone was 18 when it was introduced to the public was 1876 at the uh centennial expo exhibition in Philadelphia the uh, telephone was first displayed uh, prior to 1870 people were most likely especially in the United States were born and raised in the same town and just think of the, the, the concept then. most there was very uh uh different society back then it was much smaller the uh, you yeah, had your uh, a smaller pyramid where you had a a very small upper class a smaller upper middle class and then you had uh let's say the upper middle class was doctors lawyers and things like that and then most of the people were either rural industrial workers and things like that there were 1870s very uh, there was virtually no unions and things like that. The work, they, people worked um, seven days a week, sometimes given Sunday off depending on their employer. They worked long hours. Um, most people didn't understand. If you asked somebody on a Monday what they did over the weekend, I don't think they'd understand the concept of a weekend. It's not like they would sit home. What would you do? I mean, there was reading. Uh, But the reading in 1870 was usually done, um, well, was always done by a lantern, uh, either a gas, a gas-fired lantern, oil lantern, or kerosene that they would read. There was no other entertainment. They didn't go places. They didn't go to the beach. It was very unusual. And forget about vacations. There was, I mean, if, and especially rural populations, when you're not raising uh, your, your crops or tending to your animals, and if you have livestock, that was a daily occurrence where you tend to your livestock. Dairies, you'd have to milk the cows every day. There was no two weeks off where you went and took care of this item. So, predominant pout, uh, part of the U.S. population did not understand the concept of vacation or time off or leisure activities. And when people got together, some of the av- entertainment, even with the uh, upper class, was listening to a person read, uh, play a musical inter- instrument, sing, go, t- uh, go to a show. And imagine um, nowadays you could have someone call and plan to get together with people. Well, it was a much bigger deal back then. You'd have to send an invitation either by mail or s- send it over to them in person and tell them your intention of getting together. Having someone over was a big deal. You would never call up anybody. I mean, there was no way to call them up. But when you said, hey, why don't you come run, the, run over here tonight and have dinner with us? That was a big deal. So people would just show up at your house if you think about it. There was no forewarning that they were going to come by and visit you. They just show and knock on your door. They'd be dressed up, normally in a Sunday afternoon, you know, after church, and you go visiting, and either, if it's in the summertime, they have you on a porch, sometimes they invite you in, but there was usually no heads up given, so uh, the concept of just socializing changed, I mean, and then if you ask someone to say, hey, listen, what did you do over the summer, and so while I turned over the field, I had to you know, milk the cows, I had to uh, uh, put in feed for them, I had to dig a well, fix a fence, wife gave birth. Um, the concept of women, it was not unusual for women to die in childbirth. It was very uh, much higher child uh, infant mortality rate. It was much higher chance of a child not making it to adulthood that's why um, one of the reasons why you see large families some people have very large families because they they didn't lose children in childbirth and also um, without mechanized help you those children were your laborers too and they were your retirement plan yeah when you got to be if you were lucky enough to live past uh, your useful working time let's say in 60s or 70s those that's who you live with there were probably small retirement communities and things like that where you people had incomes and land they sold off they were able to be taken care of but it was not it was the exception rather than the rule and if you were to be married and most likely you, you would be because obviously, if you were a young woman, if you weren't a teacher or anything like that, you'd probably be married by the time you're 20, well, or early, much earlier than 20. You probably knew the person who was going to supposedly be your mate for the rest of your life. You didn't have much choices then. So, if you lived in a big city, yes, you may know someone, a girl, the shop girl that works down the street, you know, stuff like that, you do a courtship ritual, yep. Yeah. But if you were in a in the country, that was pretty much... You you had maybe ten neighbors, and that's who you had to choose from. Now, let's say you came over, and I'm going to pick some for my life. You came over from Ireland, and 1870, I think they may have had a intercontinental. They may have had intercontinental cable for telegrams uh, before the development. Of the telephone and then they had to lie, lay a cable there but once you came over to the United States or let's say if you were in, I, I picked Ireland but what, what if you were from the um, you lived outside New York and you decided to take a job or you were uh, a maritime worker a sailor and you ended up in California you'd have uh, probably a a couple of weeks to get a message back to the east coast and that was pretty much it your family didn't come and visit you and normally you didn't get to visit them unless you stayed in the maritime business and ended up going there and remember in 1870 when you had to go from the east and west coast you did not have the Panama Canal you had to go all the way around South America it was quite the ordeal and took months to get there uh, but once you, if you were an immigrant or you went to the West Coast, and a lot of uh, many times you have never saw your family again. That was it. It was it was people who weren't in the business of being a maritime, uh, a, a, a seaman or a captain or a fisherman or things. They rarely got to leave their country and come back. So the one time you would take all your savings to make your trip over there now the upper class uh the idea of sailing for leisure probably didn't started to arrive around the 1870s but especially with the advent of uh, steam-driven power plants for ships so you these cruise ships there were um, when they had them they were probably the most uh the there was not a lot The steerage, that's what they called the steerage, was the bottom of the ship. So when people came over, it was just small capability of just uh, t- taking care of your hammocks and things like that. You have had uh, a very minimal amount of prepared food. I didn't mean they starved you. I meant they had a lot of things that were preserved, like salted fish and meats and, and hardtack bread. So the leisure cruising industry you may have had that but these steer the people in the steerage the people that would emigrate from these countries they would it was still very expensive for them to make their way across and the the, um, amenities were bare so they come over here and they a lot of times when they did it they wouldn't want to do it again because it was a tough journey it was only into like the 1900s where you'd get um what's it no, you can make a sound. Go and wash the dishes. So what I'm suggesting is that things have changed from that. Now now when you have people that emigrate, they not only do they come over here and live, they're able to talk to people. Even the poorest families, you could find someone or find a place where you can go and get some kind of internet contact where you actually can see them. Think about it. It was only the last... 20-something years that people were able to see each other and talk to each other live. I remember being uh, 13 years old and a phone book came out. Yeah, they still had phone books. And they showed the history of the telephone because it was 100 years from the introduction of the telephone at, like I said, the the Centennial exhibition that uh, people would be able to uh, they showed the, the, the original phone where you had to use an operator connect and, and then it, the transformation to the dial um, the, the real dial dial and then the push button. and then they showed the near future was a video phone and the video phone was going to be seen they thought that was going to be in the 80s or 90s. and I think they, they probably did have some prototypes and able to do that. you know it, improvising they were thinking television, or uh, closed-circuit television-type setup. Well, right now, if you think about it, we all we all have access to closed... Uh, uh, we, we can do it with our smartphones and things like that. And uh, the, the whole aspect of just talking to each other, you can see the person on a daily basis without too much of a, a drain on your resources. And people have weekends off a a lot of people have weekends off obviously there's a lot of poor people that have don't understand the concept of the weekend or vacation and things like that but there was probably never a time in history where you had so many people being able as a percentage of population being able to take a leisure time and go someplace else get on uh get and travel to another continent on a regular basis just think of it you know a middle-class family you can go down, you know, you to go to Mexico, or go to the islands, could do this. Now, <clears throat> now how am I going to relate this right now? Things have changed drastically. Right now, we're asking people just to put a mask on and wash their hands and stay six feet away. Years ago, they didn't understand it was in the 1870s. They started to really understand pathogens, bacteria, viruses, and things like that. But now knowing, understand it, we're, we're getting people that are angry because of it. And they're arguing the science behind it. When, yes, it took a while for people to digest telephones being introduced. And electricity being brought into the house. Just to get a concept there in 1870 it was in the 1890s and electricity started you know uh tesla and um edison were tesla was doing acdc and the uh, edison was experiment with uh direct current and they were building these power plants for people uh they were building power plants prior to prior to the uh demand Meaning, you, you, they build the power plants. There's nobody hooked up. Same thing with telephones. Let's just talk to telephones. You got the first 1876, and then you have people, let's say, uh, hospitals, uh, police uh, stations, government officials. Uh, they started wiring for telephones. You have the president the Department of Treasury and things like that. People didn't have to go in person to have a discussion, real-time discussion, not one message going back and forth. If anybody's, um, think of anytime someone would have a conversation and they weren't in the same room, they'd have to have either a telegraph or a handwritten message and go back and forth. Try to th- think of how difficult, it is to have a long conversation with someone on text, a detailed conversation, and you weren't that dexterous. Multiply that, because then you'd have to have someone walk that thing to the other person. Actually, in France, in Paris, France, prior to the concept that the telephone, I think it prior to uh, the telephone being introduced, they used pneumatic tubes throughout the city. Now, what is that? A pneumatic tube. It was a sealed tube where they put messages in and uh, they still use them to this day in some older buildings where you use air pressure and you put a capsule in with the message and you send it out. They used to do that with mail and stuff like that. You see it in a movie. If you really want to get a good concept of it, uh, check uh, "A Miracle on 34th. It's weird. Some of the Christmas movies. Miracle on 34th Street Uh, I think they showed no no you're not that in Elf in Elf they did with Will Ferrell's working in in the basement of Empire State Building and it's a mail room and they're actually putting mail into tubes and sending it up to different offices so you didn't have to send someone up it was an old system and they still incorporated because it was a pretty good idea but in in France in Paris for uh, quite a few years they had a pneumatic tube system that connected buildings And people could send missives back and forth. There was a a one-way tubes going one direction and one going the other direction. That's the only way it would work. Uh, Otherwise, you'd have to, uh, I mean, I guess you could shut off the positive and negative and have one-way direction pneumatic tubes and others going the other way. This way, you didn't have to run messages back and forth. And it was an imperfect idea, a brilliant idea at the time, but once uh, telephones uh, were being used and more let's get back to the laying the lines you had the beginnings you had some people start using it and then other people started so let's say the police stations got connected and then um the, we said politicians hospitals and hospitals and doctors doctors at home so hospitals if they call someone to get that and then you had people uh businessmen go into it and then you had the wealthy people all the wealthy people started purchasing them and using them because it was a thing to do and then it just made a slow creep across it and then you had people starting to have them in their house it took years now the acceptance of cell phones happened that was my me snapping my fingers it happened like that just like that if you think about it 2000 2001 2002, 2003, 2004, which matter of five years that people went from, I don't need a cell phone, to I have to have a cell phone, and then 2007, 2008, the 2007, the introduction of the smartphone. And now we see people today not just having a cell phone, but having, if you don't have a cell phone that's not a smartphone, you can't check out the internet, you can't do everything with it, you're considered a dinosaur. Only 13 years later. But in uh 18 uh well I'm, I'm picking the time when it was introduced let's say from 1890 it was 1876 it was introduced not everyone it was a, until after world war one that a lot of houses and some of the poorest people still didn't have phones in their houses until like world war Two. now let's look, look at electricity electricity is introduced great, you got a light bulb. Now, you got a string in your house. You have the hu- houses aren't wired for electricity. The house is built before the introduction of electricity. So, wires had to, they had to do retrofits, let's say. They'll run wires inside the house, and then uh, on new builds, they incorporate the wires. But when they incorporated wires originally for um, electricity, especially in the beginning, they thought it was just going to be... They, they didn't see that there was going to be other things like um, a washing machine a dryer the introduction right after World War II, uh, One, the radio and there was more and more devices the vacuum cleaner think about all the things in your house, toaster, the oven, the refrigerator and if you look in a really old house you see um, that the outlet is almost sitting on the wall with the wires outside it. And that was a retrofit. And then the people that incorporated it. Nowadays, even from houses, when you think about it from, think of a house from the 18, uh, 1950s, they had a certain amount, they had uh, the plugs concentrated in the living room and things like that. So that's where you have the most. And then you have it in a bedroom. My, my grandmother, Uh, my mother's mother, my father's mother, they had houses that were built in the uh, 1930s and there was only one outlet in each room because giving the fact that you have a lamp and and a radio, maybe. So it would be two plugs if you're lucky. Sometimes there's only one. So the You plug in a light and a radio. You unplug the radio with a light when you go in a vacuum. If you vacuum at night, you unplug the radio, and that's it. Uh, But then these new houses, they put plugs everywhere. So this is how things are adopted here. And that's what eventually we're going to see with this. Eventually, I think, and this is a guess, with introductions of new pathogens coming in, that the mask will be a thing that's going to be considered in polite society to wear. Much like washing your hands. Because washing your hands was not always a thing to do. Who had running water? When you would, um, hundreds of years ago, the only wealthy people had a big bowl of fresh water. And a bathtub, if you think about it in the old West movies, get it getting a bath was a luxury they usually did sponge baths for themselves they didn't sit in people didn't sit in a tub they had a bowl and they'd take a rag and then they'd wipe themselves down and things like that now i'm sure when they first started introducing tubs and shower showers and say well why don't you get a shower so oh, i don't have a shower in my house and he said well here you have one here take a shower people would think that's weird and They thought people that showered every day was weird. Think of that. Shower and washing your face and and, and washing your hands and say, wow, this person's a nut. They're washing their hands. I mean, in restaurants, washing your hands uh, 50, 60 years ago, there could be people working in a place 70 years ago, 80 years ago. Let's go back. Where they would never washed their hands the whole time they were there to get their hands maybe wet or something like that. But introducing soap into it, that became a necessity when people started figuring out there was foodborne illnesses out there and there's things they could do to alleviate that. Same thing as coughing and tissues and uh, handkerchiefs. Think of a handkerchief. A guy, when a woman started crying, they'd, people have a handkerchief in their pocket and they'd offer it to someone. Well, I don't necessarily think that they had a bunch of silk handkerchiefs in their pocket. I think sometimes, they'd, a lot of times, they offered people used handkerchiefs. I mean, when I say used, not used and washed. Used and not washed and handed off to someone else. Yeah. That was the thing. And then he figured out, hey, wait a second. Maybe we shouldn't do this because this is a current way to spread that. And uh, I'm sure there were people looking at it and saying, no, just give me your handkerchief to show them how the tough they are. So things change, people. And we're changed down here. When we turn on the air conditioning and we expect the air conditioning. Yes, we have power outages. Uh, we're in uh, Hurricane uh, Central right here in in the Florida Keys right now there's a tropical storm stirring off the uh, northeast coast of South America that they have uh, looking at look, looking like we're in a cone of uh, death I mean it's not death it's not even a it's not even a system right now it's a depression that's going to form it could end up being a tropical storm uh, possible could end up with a hurricane but right now, we're lined up with it for next Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, could be a bit of rain. Could miss us entirely. But think of that. We didn't, you know, seven days. They never got a seven-day notice years ago. The Labor Day hurricane from 1936, uh, 38 I always, always have a hard time remembering the date of that. But that hit uh, landfall in Amarada here when they were working converting the flagler railroad to a highway and uh, they had many hours notice remember no satellites very you know very you know iffy communication wireless communication from a distance so they could tell by a drop in the barometric pressure that something that was going on and the There was an imprecise science that people had to be very well uh, trained to be able to interpret the data that they got. And they got limited data. But when they saw a drop in the pressure, they knew something was coming. And to be prepared for that. And these people were very skilled. I have to give it to them. Nowadays, we have all this technology. We have (coughs) satellite imagery. We can see the formation (coughs) of a... A system we even fly airplanes into the center of them to see what's going on see what the exactly the wind shear is going on what what direction they're going in what kind of is it the building strength they reducing strength all these things we have at our fingertip we take for granted and we also have building codes and stuff like that we have an early warning and we still have people die from that we still have people die from that because they uh, I think of a hurricane. When one is threatened to come and it, they have a, you know, when it gets closer to land, they have a pretty good idea. We just had one hit in Texas, right? Uh, Category one. Now we have something developing there. As it gets closer, we'll be given warnings and things to do. And let's say they have top winds. It's a tropical storm. And I think that's up to 72 miles per hour. Uh, the winds. It's a good idea if it's at seven two miles an hour wind to uh, put up your shutters. Uh and and you gotta weigh the you know how much time you have when the wind when the bands are gonna come come in, something like that. But if it were, God forbid, uh category three, four, five, uh, you know, strengthening and things like that. Uh there would be people waiting, still waiting. There's people that wrote it out down here, um, and yeah, they have a structure They may have a structure that can, but you know, there's tornadoes that can hit. Tornadoes can uh, cause as much damage as a hurricane. On the backside of these uh, storms, they uh, just there's people that don't. Or they don't get the news. They don't have the wherewithal to go and do it. But uh, and they and they make light of it. But there's other people that can't. The more people that ignore a hurricane warning, when one hits, the likelihood of people dying goes up. The less uh, uh, people ignore, or the more people take heed, the, the greater chance of less uh, loss of life. So we don't have that uh, chance with uh, tornadoes. Tornadoes can pop up in a matter I mean you can see a system coming in you could say there's a likelihood this system coming in it will uh, promote the uh, uh, tornadoes forming or cyclones uh, forming so uh, they they do have a warning that's a possibility and if there's a possibility of something happening and if there's a storm they say tomorrow be very, really careful and go and stay take heed listen to the radio uh so when a tornado pops up in a couple miles away it gives you a you know a fighting chance to find shelter um and then you'll know, have these things where these people houses are destroyed and things like that that is a metaphor for uh, a direct metaphor for how we you know you reduce the transmission yes uh, not everyone dies in a hurricane. Not everyone dies in a, in a tornado. It doesn't always strike. If it's nearby, a tornado can hit one side of the street, not uh, hit the other. And the same thing with this COVID-19. You can have uh, 500 people affected. And uh, let's say uh, four people die. All right? But you don't know which four people there are going to be. There's people that are likely. You know, the likely if they get it and they show symptoms, that's going to have a really hard time and have a greater likelihood of having serious uh, impact by the COVID-19. Like if you have an immune problem or we have a COPD. I'd be careful. And that's, it took years to adopt electricity. It took years to understand what the telephone was about. It took years for airplane tra- uh you know, air traffic to develop. They they kept on uh, Zeppelins for years. You know, it was only after the Hindenburg when people saw that. That was a mass event, even though uh, probably, if you think percentage-wise, the amount of people that died in Zeppelin travel was probably very small. It was very small, but it was filmed. It was filmed. They showed the item that was filmed, and it killed the Zeppelin industry that driving, and it saw the advent of air travel and people say well <clears throat> they didn't they you know if you had small planes landing and stuff they didn't film every small plane but when you had the hindenburg coming into lakehurst new jersey of course the first time they're going to have someone with a, a camera filming that land and all of a sudden that accident happens that ki- that killed the zeppelin industry and but if i granted if they had a uh, Film on every plane crash that happened a couple years after the uh, Hindenburg. They people wouldn't put it probably stay out of the air, you know. And they, even to this day, you know, whenever there's a huge accident and stuff like that, people uh, they see it and they get all freaked out about air travel. But then they realize there's a lot of people that travel by air and there's very little accident. Uh, all the cars that people car accidents where people die does not stop them from doing it. Same thing goes COVID nineteen. People um people aren't afraid of it even though they're showing in the numbers upwards. It's edging towards three quarters of a million people right now and that's just the ones that catch. But remember they safe development of safety glass with cars, seat seat belts and stuff like that. These all were created to reduce the effect of accidents. The um airbags, and things like that. In the long run, people are going to look at it and say, hey, remember those people back in 2020 in the United States that got all pissed off over a face mask? Yeah. And, and the reason why um, that that happens it takes a while. There's a lag time for people to learn and to accept. But they're going to have to accept it someday. You know, they're... they're they're going to really accept that those days are over. For now, I know this is kind of a downer. Down in the Keys, remember, we got air conditioning. Everyone has air conditioning around here. Uh, we have air conditioning. We're lucky we have that technology. You go out and have a good time on the water. Uh, get your lobsters. And we're in the middle of the lobster season. It still goes on for another 11 and a half hours. Uh, we hope uh, people are careful uh, doing their stuff, and uh, and when they come down here, we're uh, looking forward to seeing you out and about. And they're doing it in a careful way, wearing a mask, maintaining social distance, washing their hands. Maybe not in that order, but doing it. And then we can see a lesson of effect, and then we can get on with our lives, wearing masks for a while, because. Then we're going to have to start talking about vaccines and stuff like that. People that said, I'm not going to get a vaccine. Well, that's going to be, I mean, there'll be people that get vaccinated, people that don't get vaccinated. And there'll be some industries that people say, like in the health industry, it's going to be interesting because, and the um, hospitality industry. So we'll see what happens with that. But this is the keys. Bartender, thank you for listening. Please share the show. Please prescribe. Um I uh, do have a phone number if we ever see me coming up live the phone number on my Skype number and you don't have to be on Skype you can use a regular phone is 407-392-4563 once again that's 407-392-4563 and you can call that number whenever you see that we're streaming live if you have any questions and things like that i know it's going to take a little while just like the introduction of electricity and a telephone and all that stuff is going to take a while for your listeners to get that and i know maybe it'll help if i just do my live shows at certain times but that's not the way it is you know not at this time thank you very much have a good day be careful out there finding the right person for the job isn't easy just ask someone who hired a karate teacher to trim their hedges yeah! man these shrubs are not made of plywood don't worry another few chops should do it yeah nope yeah! dang but if you've got an insurance question you can always count on your local geico agent they can bundle your policies which could save you hundreds oh this treehouse looks like particle board Yeah. there we go starting to doubt myself